trending news right now. Atlagang Mulefe, our social commentator, joins us now to look at social media in the last 24 hours in terms of what's been trending. How are you today, Atli? I'm well, thanks, and how are you, Asanda? I'm good, thank you so much. Would you be cringing if you saw a child drinking from a 0% alcohol or non-alcoholic beverage? Definitely, because I do think that because there isn't any volume of alcohol, it, it still doesn't take away from the fact that um, it is an alcohol and it is manufactured in the same company or brand as like alcohol with 5% or whatever percentage. I do think that it doesn't take away from anything and it definitely shouldn't be something that we should be promoting at this point. Okay, let's talk now our topics. Hashtag Pumzila Van Dam. Uh, who has trended because she tendered her resignation uh, to the DA and has stepped down as Member of Parliament. So many people have weighed in on this. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that it's a very continued pattern that we spoke about the last time because mm. even though she's trying to convince the world that she resigned in her own accord, like she just decided for herself that um, she wants to leave her seat, but it continues like the the trend and what we spoke about that every it seems like if there's a there's like a growing pattern that every person of color like a black person just decides to leave those positions so it raises a lot of concerns and that's why everyone else um, especially on Twitter was asking what is going on and wanted to find out more about it but unfortunately she hasn't said much besides the fact that she resigned according to her own terms. And she's also saying that it wasn't an easy decision and she did it with a heavy heart. So the mark that she's saying she left behind and she's hoping that, uh, you know, that's what we'll see because she's happy with it. What will we remember her for? Um, I think that for the amount of work that she has definitely like put in, um, especially because um, as a member of parliament and even though she was um, a member of the Democratic Alliance, I still think that she had an impact towards the politics and also just towards just being able to initiate very robust debates or conversations about many different things. Um, but And it, it just definitely is said that she is living, unfortunately, and even though she was a part of the DA, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that she was an important member of parliament indeed. Okay, and she also said that she would not uh, be joining another political party. Uh, can you really leave a political party and then uh, join another one anyway? Um, I think it is possible. Um, I've seen people like Julius Valema leave a political party and start their own party. So I think anything is possible, honestly, when you're in that political space. Could this be some kind of a PR campaign as well? Because she must have known that this will spark further question and, and attention maybe uh, maybe for the next thing that she'll be doing. Um, definitely is, because um, at this point we're also just... Um, zooming more into the party and introspecting what is it that is happening in that party because um, we are just seeing a lot of black people leaving their positions and their seats in a very predominantly white party. So it does really raise a lot of concern and it also does warrant like, you know, uh, PR because now it's, it's just um, her probably wanting us to see what is next for her or us having to introspect and having to now um, doubt the credibility of the party itself. So it really does raise a lot of PR. Mm. And DA spokesperson Seviwe Kwarube uh, meanwhile saying that the DA had received and accepted Van Dam's resignation and that's about it. Do you think they might say something else after that or it's a full stop? 
They're probably not going to say anything. I think with the Democratic Alliance, if anything, um, their point is just to have those black people as, as the front. But at some point, then when they do leave, it's it's chai. And that this is also the time when you're going to hear very horrible stories about them because even with Musi now fighting and not being in good terms with the DA. So I think that it's just going to be full stop. There's not going to be much about it because the fact that the person resigned and they just accepted the resignation, it's, 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 it is what it is, honestly. They're not going to do anything. Mm. Okay, let's talk hashtag Balube donation now. So this story is the foster parents of Princess Masala Nabo Muchachi. Uh, will challenge the Muchachi Royal Council's decision. And this dispute is over the heir to the throne of the Balubedi nation in Limpopo and is heading to court. So the foster parents uh, Princess Masa, of, of Princess Masalanabo Muchachi are challenging this uh, decision of the Muchachi Royal Council to appoint her brother, Prince Lekulkela, as the next monarch. What powers do they have as foster parents on this matter? Um, I think that even though they are foster parents um, legally for talking about them in terms of the law, they do have a legitimate right over um, the foster child or over any other decision for that matter. So it still doesn't take away from the fact that um, they are not part of that particular family. But I do think that when it comes to anything that's related to tradition, that's related to custom, or that's related to monarch, the way it is navigated is that um, when you are a foster parent, that sort of legitimacy um, is removed. You can't now willingly just decide to make those decisions for itself. Because even when um, the conversation happened, they did talk about how it is now undermining the legality of the traditional um, framework and governance act. So in that regard, then that's when they now have to step in and actually intervene in that situation. So I do think that um, now the matter being taken to court, it's also a matter of questioning, you know, the tradition, the custom, and making sure that we're able to preserve um, the Bulubedu um, customs and tradition. So it is a very serious matter, and um, mm. that's why it is now being taken to the court of law. And the Royal Council's defense is that they say they didn't have any access or, or not, well, they didn't have access to Princess Masalanabo. So that meant that they were not able to train her on her duties as the monarch. Uh, and this is why they went for the brother. Do you think this would hold? Because then maybe their next argument would be, then why didn't you take her in at the time that she was meant to start her training and then train her? Yeah, no, it wouldn't. I don't think it would hold water because also they were talking about how even the monarch itself, it has a lineage of a lot of women uh, being in that position. And now if you're trying to change, then you're also undermining how it usually functions and how it is accepted into society. So I think even the case that they have is not, um, it's really not a winning case, but um, I think we should just then give it a try also and try to um, allow it to, to and see if it's, it's going to work out really. But I honestly, I'm not optimistic about it at all. And I think that there were other ways of, of, of resolving this instead of having to take it to the court of law. On the other hand, there have been petitions that have started on social media to oppose Prince uh, Leku Kela's installation. Can the Royal Council listen to public view? What, what normally happens? Uh, they never listen to public issues. Um, I think um, two things are likely going to happen. So because now um, they are saying that it is against the 
the whole framework or how they usually function as a monarch. Um, so I think that the, the, the other going to go back to the drawing board and think about it and change and maybe just train the other one and not necessarily put up um, uh, um, uh, the prince. Or the second thing that's just going to happen is that they're going to win the case and run with it. But I think that public views have absolutely no influence, especially in anything that has to do with tradition, custom, or the preservation of that cult itself, or how they usually do things, they wouldn't just now all of a sudden stop doing that because of public views. I think public views have absolutely no impact. It's just going to be a conversation and a discussion that happens, but it's not It's not going to determine anything for the monarch, um, just to say that. Okay, let's move on now, talking hashtag no mam goma. Back at the State Capture Commission yesterday, and uh, she was saying that her husband or her estranged husband had told her that he had no intention of being honest with the Zondo Commission. And she was saying that she didn't understand why uh, Gikaba was still protecting the Guptas. Um, she did say that. And she also mentioned how when she was filing for um, divorce at that time, um, um, the husband made an excuse and said that this is not the right time because I'm now preparing myself for the commission. And also at the same time, I'm preparing um, to write my final paper, PhD paper, or anything like that. Um, but it also spoke about a very interesting part, I think, when um, the husband wanted to take the gadget so that the technician can go through the gadget and um, can, I think, wipe all the information or all the details. I think when she spoke about that, it was very interesting because I think that um, Gigaba could also sense that in instances where things don't work out and they do maybe go their separate ways, then the information would definitely be disclosed. But unfortunately, Norma at that time didn't allow for that to happen. So that means that she still had access to the information and she could still now explain the information um, 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 in that regard. So I think her being back in, in, in the Zondo Commission causes a lot of havoc because she's still uh, telling us a lot more of information and um, Kigaba's loyalty to the Gupta. So that's, like I think, information that is very implicating um, in, in, in that sense. Mm, and she also mentions uh, mentions Kigaba coming home with the bags filled with money in different occasions, even though she didn't see the Guptas give the money to her estranged husband. But he would later then tell her that that money was from the Guptas and that also they, as a couple, had gone to the Gupta's Saxon world home, and that shortly after their child was born, AJ Gupta insisted on seeing their child. Uh, Kikaba responding uh, with an affidavit that says that, you know, he's rubbishing any of these claims and calling them fabricated and unsubstantiated. How can she substantiate these? How can she prove them? Um, I think she can prove them uh, maybe if she had taken photos at that time, or if she has videos like emails or any sort of in- information that can justify um, whatever it is that happened. But you know that uh, mostly in a very committal situation, I think it's rare that when you're having con- when person is having conversations with their partner that they would do anything like that. Unless if the person from the get-go, they were trying to um, gain sufficient information to implicate you. So I do think that... Um, um, her disclosing all the information is um, something that's commendable, but however, in instances where there isn't any proof to justify the things that she's saying, then um, 
there's, there's, if, if there's, if, and then it means that Kigaba will not account for the things that he has done, but he will just consistently say that it's not true and he will deny everything. Um, so if you can't justify it, then I think that um, we, there isn't anything else than to try and implicate him on, as opposed to you as a wife speaking about everything that he has done and all the meetings that you have attended with him. Um, so I do think that, like I was saying before, that um, investigations and proof need, needs to be collected before a person can stand in, in the Zondo Commission so that when they do say something and uh, maybe the other one, the person who, who they're talking about at that time denies everything, then they can just take out the proof then to try and justify what exactly they are saying at that time. So, well, she will be back and to continue testifying at the commission this morning uh, because after two hours yesterday, Deputy Chief Justice, Justice Raymond Zondo adjourned the session over security concerns that were beyond their control, as he had put it. What kind of security concerns could hold a commission of this magnitude? And surely would this not be anticipated because of the high-profile and sensitive matter this is? Um, I think if it's a high, definitely like that um, security concern is important because I think even with myself, I always ask, do they have that any kind of protection for the people that stand in there and um, and, and disclose those kinds of information? Because honestly, if you're dealing with um, high-profile people and especially the crimes that they've committed, you are never safe because as in, someone who's going to testify, it means that, one, your life is at risk already. Um, so when your life is at risk, it means anything could potentially happen to you even before you stand and you testify against that particular person. So I do think that um, security concerns could also be the fact that if she discloses everything all at once, perhaps maybe something could potentially happen to her or the commission itself, when they're dealing with such sensitive matter, private matter, then it's very important to understand that security concern will always be the case. So um, I do think that um, even I think setting time limits is also a way of being able to manage what happens at that time. Because imagine if people do know that the session ends at 5 p.m. every single day, then it means that there's potential risk for the people who are standing there and testifying. So I think also just trying to be very strategic about how you run the commission and changing times and um, maybe stopping people from testifying and saying that let's continue tomorrow. I think that's also just a way of trying to be very strategic and trying to make sure that even though people secure um, security, security concern or security, uh, people's security is at risk, um, you also just try to make sure that sometimes you protect them, you give them that sort of minimal protection. Confuse um, the regard. enemy, so yeah. to speak. We've just got a, yeah. a call from Willie and Christiana who wants to talk about the hashtag Pumzile Van Dam story. Uh, Willie, good morning. Thanks for holding for us. Yeah, thank you, uh, Asanda. You know, Asanda, uh, that lady Van Dam should have come up clearly you see now, here you are on the radio, even yesterday uh, you present us. You want us to say something as, as callers regarding this. And uh, the, the, the issue itself is very, it's obviously very sensitive. But there she comes and then she doesn't tell you actually what was the reason. Every time Vitenari wants to know that because obviously it, it's around uh, racial issues. So I wish that the lady should... Just been called back because she's a politician. Most of politicians, when they quit their positions like this, they speak openly once and forever. Or is she still scared of this? Her, her former cruel, uh, 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 if you like, Master Helen Ville. No, man, we're not happy with that lady.
the right time. You see. So you're asking us now here what, what how what should be our response, Asanda. So we're going to to to, to talk in, in regard to the allegation or this and this. Similarly, this lady quit because of this and this and this. It's not correct. She's still young. She must face the music and speak once and for all. Okay. Thank you, Thank you for your call, Willie. Uh, thanks for your views there. Okay, Atlakang, uh, Willie saying that she needs to just be open and tell everybody what happened. I'm sure there'll be a lot of media houses reaching out for more in terms of that story. But we need to move on to the hashtag Dikang Museneki issue, uh, who appointed to review the possible postponement of the 2021 local government elections. So President Cyril Ramaphosa had said they are scheduled for the 27th of October, but there are concerns that now they, they could be hampered due to COVID-19 and how this has caused restrictions or limitations in terms of how political parties are able to interact fully with their supporters? Um, Unfortunately, there's that because with COVID restrictions, then it also just limits the amount of interactions and um, that uh, or interactions between political parties and people and also that sort of campaigning that usually happens because um, now they have to follow those restrictions that are in place. And the other thing is that um, it's going to compromise uh, free and fair elections, like they've said before, which I think to some extent it is true, because if political parties aren't able to sufficiently campaign for themselves, then it means that we're going to vote based on our loyalty to a particular party um, and not necessarily being given the opportunity to see many different parties and what they have to offer. And the other thing is that when there's COVID uh, restrictions as well, even voting stations or things like that, then it means that we are definitely compromising free and fair elections. But unfortunately, I think in um, the context of COVID-19, I think that we always have to find a way to adjust to the new um, world. So I do think that now we should be thinking about ways to ensure um, free and fair elections during times of um, COVID-19 or any pandemic for that matter, does it essentially mean that we completely remove the elections um, for that year just to make sure that we um, um, see if things are going to work out maybe in the future? Or do we try a very different strategy to be able now to uh, still allow for those elections to happen and not necessarily compromise free and fair um, elections even in that regard? And as you say, why would the elections not be disrupted as is everything else during this time? And then, you know, processes adapted without obviously infringing on those free and fairness, uh, uh, you know, top of the agenda, uh, uh, things that need to be adhered to, the freeness and the fairness of the elections. Uh, So let's look at the hashtag by elections uh, and, and the ANC. African National Congress retaining 27 of the 40 wards it contested uh, in uh, yesterday's by-elections. We have to touch on that just in in closing. Uh, The DA contesting 10 wards, they've retained six. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, everything? IFP retaining one ward? Um, I think that we are, it shows like that definitely the shift. Um, I think with by-elections that um, people do actually take into consideration the things that parties do and that that sort of loyalty that people had in specific parties is slowly um, slowly you know going away so I do think that shows uh, more of a competition but it also shows that if a party is losing um, its seat especially in different kinds of wars then it really does show that they need to put in like um, work in order to be able to retain the people that they have 
So I think that everyone was shocked about it, uh, but I do think that for me personally, uh, for the purposes of political progression, um, I think it's a very interesting thing to be able to sit and introspect and be able to analyze because it simply shows you that at any point you can be able to lose those voters, especially in wards, but now it's just a matter of making sure that even nationally people are able to move away from voting for parties that don't necessarily represent them in any way or parties that don't do anything for them. And maybe, I don't know if we can look at this in terms of whether, you know, on the previous story, the elections should be delayed, the turnout numbers and the figures given by the IEC were the average turnout of 31.9%, uh, the highest turnout being 366 If this is anything to go by, then definitely the elections should be uh, postponed because this is quite low. It is, it is, it is very low. But I, 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 that's why I also think that they should be postponed because then, if they want to the free and fair elections, and for everyone and for the collective to be able to, uh, to cast their votes as well, then it means that they have to postpone them because if the turnout is bad and it's it's that low, then it, it really does mean that we, um, if they do have those elections, then they're not going to get a bigger turnout. So we definitely need to postpone those elections. All right, let's leave it there. Happy Friday. Please enjoy the weekend. Atlehang, stay safe. Thank you so much. Same to you, Asanda. Thanks. Atlehang Mulefe, social commentator, talking trending topics here on Sound Awake. Quarter past four is our time. Good morning. If you've just joined us, this is SAFM.